name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, Rez, and a very Merry Christmas to you all. Just in case you didn't get enough of a Christmas celebration the past two days, don't worry. As Anglicans, we, we like to throw a party at Christmas at Christmas tide, And so our party lasts for 12 days, if you didn't know that. So buckle in, we've got 10 more days of this, of just straight up party, celebrating the birth of Jesus, the Christ child who has come into the world. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Christmas is about celebrating the light that has come into the very darkness of this world. Our Christmas carols sing this reality into being, right? Lo, how a rose ere blooming from tender stem hath sprung. It came a flower bright amid the cold of winter when half spent was the night. Light and darkness. Our gospel text from John today, the very beginning of this gospel of John, uses this contrast of light and darkness to frame his entire gospel account. If we want to capture the, the entirety of John's gospel in a phrase or a metaphor, we find it here in John's prologue. All of his, Jesus' life and ministry can be wrapped up in this, this phrase in verse 9, the true light which gives light to everyone who is coming into the world. And Jesus comes not only into the world, but into our very hearts, not just out there, but actually in here, right? We just sang it when, when we sing Joy to the World, as we sing all these Christmas carols, Joy to the World has this great line in it, right at the, at, in verse 1 it says, let every heart prepare him room. In this season of Christmas, this season of light, of joy, of new beginnings, God is making a home in every heart who would welcome him. In these coming weeks, we are going to focus our attention around this idea and around this question uh, behind it, what does it look like to prepare God room in our hearts? How can we make time and space in our busy lives during this Christmas season to receive the light of Christ into our hearts that are so full of bumps and bruises? We're going to dig into this, these questions, this idea, this reality. What does it look like to prepare our hearts to receive him? So let's start at the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. From His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. On that Christmas day, in the manger in Bethlehem, the word that was from the beginning of time became flesh and blood. As Eugene Peterson famously wrote, at Christmas, God moved into the neighborhood. God put up a tent in our own backyard and decided to stay for a while. The Messiah King, who was prophesied of old, was now here in the flesh, and we call this the incarnation of Jesus. This is why we say every week, for us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven by the power of the Holy Spirit. He became incarnate 
from the Virgin Mary and was made man. St. Irenaeus, one of the early church fathers, considered the incarnation to be one of the high points in salvation history. He actually considered it to be the high point of salvation history. In the incarnation, Irenaeus says, God gloriously accomplished our salvation. The word of God became flesh by the economy of the virgin in order to undo death and vivify man. For we were in the prison of sin, we who have become sinners and fallen under the power of death. But rich in mercy was God the Father. He sent the creative word and his light appeared and dispelled the darkness of that prison. Every year at Christmas, we celebrate the wonder of this mystery of the incarnation, that through Jesus, death was being undone and life was being restored to men and women everywhere. The bonds of all of our prisons, yours and mine, that we all find ourselves, we have these prisons, right? They were being loosed and broken open when God moved into the neighborhood. And so we hear the, the, the famous Christmas carol, a ring out that was written by Christina Rossetti. Our God, heaven cannot hold him. Our God, heaven cannot hold him. In the bleak midwinter, a stable place sufficed. The Lord God Almighty, Jesus Christ. For us and for our salvation, God came and made a dwelling among us. And in doing so, as we read in John chapter 1, the fullness of God is revealed in this Christ child. Verse 18, no one has seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Paul's letter to the Colossians expands on this idea in chapter 2. In Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Or, as Eugene Peterson puts it, in four simple words, like father, like son. Like father, like son. This is what is revealed in the incarnation. And he writes, says, if you want to know who, who God is, look to Jesus. Friends, this is the truth of the incarnation. Like father, like son. And this is really good news. In Jesus, we see the heart and the character of the father. And this is so important to us as we consider how we might welcome God into our hearts this season. To welcome God in, we first have to start with the question, who is this God? What is God really like? What is his character? Before we can ever let someone into our hearts and our lives, there's always that question that exists beforehand, right? Who is this person that we're letting into our lives? What's this person's character? Is he or she someone worth letting in? And when it comes to God, when we think about preparing a room in our hearts for him to come, I actually think that sometimes we come to the table with all sorts of misunderstandings of who God is. And it's actually these misunderstandings that get in the way of us receiving him in our hearts. My friends Ben and Matt, they, they talk about four different ways in which we can often misunderstand God like this. How we can misunderstand God in our experience and I wonder if any, I'm going to list these off, and I wonder if any of them ring true for you this morning. God can often be seen and misunderstood as a distant deity, the far-off God who is never really around. He created the world and then just left it to be on its own. This distant deity is like the dad in those movies that you watch that was just checked out from their family. 
When we experience God as the distant deity, we either go way above and beyond to try to get attention from this, this distant deity, or we just stop like expecting anything to happen, right? Our expectations of God start to crumble, and we just don't expect him to show up. This is the God of the distant deity. The second way God, I think, sometimes can be seen and misunderstood is that of the demanding judge. This is the angry God who, unlike the distant deity, might actually be around and present, but no one wants to be around this angry judge, right? This demanding judge who's always ready to hand out punishment. And this is the God that we often find ourselves walking on eggshells around. The third way I think God can often be seen and misunderstood is as a helicopter parent. I don't know if you know that term or not. Helicopter parent is someone who micromanages every aspect of your being. This is the God who does our science projects for us. Who's constantly meddling in every detail. This is the God that's like Jesus take the wheel on repeat. If that makes sense. No one knows that song. Okay, Jesus take the wheel. We begin to have this view of God where we just sit on our hands and just expect him to do all the work. This is the God of the helicopter parent. We just assume that he's going to show up and we don't have to do anything. And the fourth way that I think sometimes we can often see and misunderstand who God is is as the doting grandparent. You know that grandfather or grandmother who is quick to hand out candy and presents and always wants the grandkids to be happy and to have everything they want Personally, I'm already like this a little bit with my kids, and so I'm like terrified of what I'm going to be like as a grandparent. I am going to be this, this doting grandparent for sure. God, in this misunderstanding, is like a genie in the bottle. When We go to him whenever we want something, and he never demands anything from us. We're spoiled under the doting grandparent version of God. And there's lots of other kinds of misunderstandings of God, right? These are just four... Uh, I think there's something to this. In all of these scenarios of how we might misunderstand God, none of us would actually speak about God in these ways, right? Like these aren't, we don't go off and tell our neighbor, neighbors about the doting grandparent God or the, the angry judge, the demanding judge God. But I wonder, as we are considering this, this question of preparing our hearts to make room for Jesus, for God this Christmas, I wonder if we carry some of these misunderstandings in our hearts at times. I wonder if we actually paid attention to our lives, to our habits and our practices, to the ways we respond and react in life and its ups and downs. I wonder if we would start to see that we actually do carry some of these misunderstandings, not from our lips, but in our lives, under the surface. I wonder if these misconceptions of God as distant deity, as demanding judge, as helicopter parent, or as doting grandparent, actually do occupy some space in our imaginations. Preparing our hearts for God to come means tending to these misunderstandings as they come up. In our Life Together course here at Res, if you participated, you've heard us talk about discipleship as tending to the fire. Following Jesus is like tending a fire. Once upon a time, I was a Boy Scout back when I was a kid, and as a Boy Scout, everyone just assumes you're really good at building a fire. 
It just you, you see a Boy Scout and you just assume, right, that they're good at building fires. And that's actually categorically true. Every Boy Scout is really good at starting fires. And I'm not talking about just throwing lighter fluid on or anything like that. I'm the real, the real way of doing it. You, like Boy Scouts, that's, we're, we're trained in that. We might not be good at anything else, but we know how to start a fire. And starting and tending to a fire, it requires obviously the materials and oxygen and a, a, you know, a way to start the fire itself. But more importantly than anything else is that it requires attention. It requires your attention. You have to like tend, attending to the fire itself is what starts it and keeps it alive. When hard things come in our life, when disappointments arise, when we let people down or someone lets us down, when things come our way that we didn't anticipate, how do we respond in those moments? What comes up from our hearts? How do we respond to these moments? How we actually respond to these moments reflects how we understand who God is. And this is what we're called to do when we talk about tending to the fire. We pay attention to these moments in our life when things come up. If you're like me, you probably have moments where any of these four misunderstandings of who God is or other misunderstandings of who God is actually might be at play. In my worst moments, my life can reflect a tendency to believe that God is nothing more than a distant deity, passively concerned with my life, and not really interested in the struggles that I carry around with me. I often believe, I don't say that publicly, but sometimes my life actually might reflect that. Or sometimes I believe that God is a helicopter parent, who I just kind of expect to do all the work for me, and I can just sit on my hands. Jesus, just do your thing. I'm going to sit on my hands over here in the corner. I can operate this way when I think about the, the, the day-to-day things that I'm going through and the ways in which that plays itself out in, in my habits and decisions in life. But as we all tend to this fire of preparing room in our hearts for God, part of the tending that I think needs to happen here is actually a repenting of these false understandings of God that we carry. Preparing our hearts means clearing out space for the good news of Jesus to enter in. The good news that God is not a distant deity. He's not a demanding judge or a helicopter parent or a doting grandparent or any other misunderstanding we might carry with us. God is the word made flesh. In Jesus, God has become known to us. And from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. God is most fully revealed in Jesus, in his life, in his death on the cross, and in the power of his resurrected life. In Jesus, God is present and at work in our lives. And he invites us to participate with him. We don't sit on our hands. He invites us to work with him, to participate in the work of the kingdom together. Our beloved Bishop Todd Hunter, he just shared a Christmas message this past week that was just a perfect kind of response to what I've been thinking about. He is actually, he reflected on not John 1 specifically, but he reflect, was reflecting on the I am statements in the Gospel of John as it relates to John 1. If we want to know who God is, if we want to really have a, a good understanding, not these misunderstandings that I referred to earlier, but if we really want to know who God is, we can start with these I am statements in John. This is what our bishop was saying. This God who is made known here in Jesus in John 1 
can actually be further known through the I am statements as we read through the Gospel of John together. And let me just share a, a bit of Todd's reflections on these I am statements as a way to just kind of frame all of this together. Todd said this. In the I am statements, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I became human to nourish your deepest hungers. I am the light of the world. I became a man to reveal reality and show the way. I am the door of the sheep. I place my incarnate body between you and destruction. I am the good shepherd. Since I am working, you can be at peace in my care. I am the resurrection and the life, your life and mine. You are alive and safe forever. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the archetype of humanity as God intended. And I am the true vine. The life of God flows through my being to you. What a contrast. These I am statements, and as Todd was reflecting on them, what a contrast that is to the demanding judge, the distant deity, the helicopter parents, and the doting grandparents. Friends, as we celebrate the birth of this Christ child this morning, as we ponder the mystery and beauty of the incarnation, as we prepare our hearts to make room for God in this coming season, pay attention. Pay attention as you live, as you lead, as you respond, and as you react in your life to everything that comes. Where are we still in the dark in our understandings of God as distant deity, demanding judge, helicopter parent or doting grandparent, or anything else? Where do we need to remember again that Jesus has come to reveal a new way to us? Like father, like son, tend to the fire this week as you walk with this Christ child in your hearts. Let's take a moment to celebrate Jesus in our midst and listen to the Spirit speaking to us this morning. You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com.